Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcaster on planet Earth who doesn't own a single pinball machine. We're going to talk a little bit about that ridiculous thread. Um, but here's what I want to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I want to go back and talk a little bit about ordering Rick and Morty and where I think there might be some confusion and how this whole thing is going to play out and talk a little bit again about that because I still don't think there's tons of clarity in the community around how this game is supposed to be ordered by the fans of the show and pinball. Uh, talk a little bit about Elvira, a game that just seems to be fading off into the distant, right? Or distance. This happens every once in a while, right? A game comes out, came out pretty recently, and all of a sudden it's like we've skipped over it. It's like we're jumping from lily pad to lily pad of which game to get excited about. And this one just seems to be one that we're beginning to forget quickly. It wasn't a cornerstone game. Remember, we all knew that, that this was not one of Stern's big releases. And it's, it's pretty much shaping up that way in the community. Uh, what else is going on in the pinball world we want to talk about? Well, let's start there. And the other thing I want to do on this episode, I didn't tell you uh, what I wrote in for my Twippy submissions, okay? Now, it's Twippy season, apparently, and people, I want to talk, let's start there. Let's start with this notion that it's Twippy season and podcasters and pinball personalities now all of a sudden have to change the way they operate because they want to get Twippy votes. I think it's ridiculous. Here's, the, here's what I want to say about this whole thing. I hear other pinball podcasters talking about how it's lame that they think people want support. And I just want to say for the record, if you've been a part of the award show at Texas Pinball Festival known as the Twippies, it is nothing more than celebrating and enjoying and recognizing all of those people out there who put their creative energy into pinball. That's all it is. It's not a pissing match. It's not a com competition mudslinging contest. We're not doing you know, negative political ads to get people's votes. It's just a moment in which we recognize the best of what happened in pinball the year prior. Now, obviously, some categories are easy to see who's going to win. It's a runaway, foregone conclusion that Jurassic Park is going to win the best game at the Twippies. Absolutely, there's no way. Nothing can beat it, right? There are some categories, obviously, where it is a popularity contest between personalities. But all of it is a popularity contest. And people know that it's really hard for a Jersey Jack game to ever win best game of the year because there's nowhere near the amount of people who buy Jersey Jack games that buy Stern games. So there's just way more fans of a Stern title that's a hit. And that's just the way it goes, okay? Um, but as I said on my Facebook page, who amongst us out there that makes anything pinball related, whether it's a podcast or a game or a piece of artwork or a streaming show, who doesn't want to be popular? Who doesn't want people to look at what we create and, and get excited by it? I mean, that's all it is. That's all it is. It's a moment in which we recognize those people. And I think it's lame. I think the lame people are the salty people, the people who complain that people are excited about being recognized or the chance of being recognized within the industry. And you hear it. 
you hear it. They always do the same approach. They always say stuff like, I think it's pretty pathetic that people are asking for support. Um, you know, but we would love to be honored ourselves. Well, which one is it? Would you love to be honored yourself? Or would you want, or do you just want to call everyone lame? I mean, we've seen the way this thing unfolds. And I think personally that anyone who, who spends a lot of time doing anything in this hobby, of course they want to be recognized for their efforts. Of course they do. And look, we're all winners because here's why we're all winners. In the real world, we're all the losers. Everyone out there who's not into pinball thinks anyone who geeks out over pinball, guess what they think we are? They think we're losers. And we are a bunch of nerds and losers in the corner geeking out 38 pages on Rick and Morty and no one's even seen a game. That's called being a loser. And I love being a pinball loser. Maybe I should call this Loser Kid Pinball Podcast, all right? <laughs> no, I love the show. I love the show. Um, okay, so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. First, let me talk about the guy who said, because I don't currently own a machine, that I am a pinball fraud, that I can't talk to you about pinball. Now, everyone realizes that guy's just one jackass. Someone was like, do a Pinside Babies episode about that guy. I'm not going to waste my time and energy on one guy who nobody agrees with. I mean, come on. All of what we do in life when we give our opinion about things, it doesn't mean we have to own something to have an opinion, right? You don't have to own a sports team to talk sports. You don't have to own a movie theater to talk movies. You don't have to own a car to give your opinion about a car. And I, I own pinball machines. It's funny to me because I'm staring right now. I, I still have Batman. It hasn't been picked up yet. I'm replacing this game with another machine. I've owned Batman 66. I've owned Lord of the Rings, Tales of the Arabian Nights, and Magic Girl. I would say about two or three of those games are some of the best pinball machines ever made. Uh, and I have access to almost every single pinball machine you can think of in New York City. So I think I play enough pinball. I think I know enough about the hobby. And you know me, this, this podcast is not about like pinball strategy. This podcast is about just what's going on in the pinball hobby in a contemporary sense. I mean, we cover new games. We cover what manufacturers are doing. We cover playfield issues. We cover world under glass magic. Are we getting it? Are we not? Is Elvira worth $15,000? Just the, the debate that's going on in the hobby. And I'll say this. I'll say this. I was telling this to Brenda. I bet you I can still maintain the entertainment value of this podcast without doing two things, without ever owning a pinball machine in 2020, and here's the, here's the kicker, without even playing one probably in 2020, because with all the streamers out there and all the people giving their feedback, I could just find a few streamers that I trust their opinions on a game, and I could go off of what they say to formulate an opinion about the game. You could do that. I mean, I don't get to drive Lamborghinis and Ferraris and McLarens and Porsches around a track, but, you know, a car and driver like Randy Randy over at Car and Driver does it all the time, and, and I trust his opinion because he's a professional race car driver, and there are, like, basically professional pinball players out there who give us their opinions, and we trust them, and they have credibility. But anyway, I'm going to play pinball machines. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to spend an entire year and not flip a game. Oh, man, people are weird. People are salty. People are negative. It just takes one bad apple, right, to create a stupid thread. But anyway, anyway, let's talk, let's talk about, let's talk about Rick and Morty. 
because this this game is is upon us. It's going to be shown, I believe. I think we're going to see stuff over the weekend. I think the games are going to go up for sale on Monday or Tuesday, so get ready to pull the trigger. I've been, you know, all of us are in the same boat. Like some of some of you are like me. You're watching Rick and Morty for the first time, and it's a little bit weird to watch it under this pretense or this context. I'll tell you why. I am watching the show wanting to love it so much because I really want to click with it so then I know there's going to be a pinball machine available in a few days and if I love the show and the pinball machine becomes available it's like a win-win it's a little weird to watch something wanting to like it so much I really am enjoying it uh, but I don't think I'm like it's not blowing me away uh, in the first like five episodes of the show. I mean, I get the humor. I get what they're going for. Uh, I think it, it's going to be a really fun pinball machine. So th- there's that part of it, right? I'm catching up. So I don't have like, I haven't watched this show since 2010. I don't have like four seasons of like episodes in my mind. And I'm not, I don't dream about it. I don't think about it like other dream themes, right? Isn't that the whole point of a dream theme? It's like a movie or a property you often dream about. I can honestly say that Rick and Morty is not something I've dreamt about. Okay, I mean, now I'm just dreaming about seeing the next few episodes and see what's up with that. Okay, so there's that going on. All right, the other part is this. I mean, we've seen nothing. We've seen nothing. I hear rumors about the layout and what could be in the game. We just have to see it. But it, you know what I think the real takeaway is this. There's more in... There's more energy, there's more activity, there's more excitement in a Rick and Morty thread in which we've seen nothing about the game than there is in like the Black Knight thread or the dialed in thread or the, you know what I'm saying? There's like, it just goes to show when you have a theme that's really exciting, it it just blows up and people are already writing checks for something they've never seen. So that's just like, if, if you're a manufacturer, if you're American Pinball and you're watching this, how do you not call a little huddle in the conference room and be like, hey, is our is our next theme going to create this kind of excitement? And hey, how did Spooky Pinball, a company that's smaller than us, let's think about that for a minute. Spooky Pinball, a company that is smaller than American Pinball, how did they land a title like this that is getting so much excitement? And then I, if I'm Davo, I'm like, well, what are we doing? What's our marketing strategy? What's our next theme? How come they were able to do it? I saw, I heard this. I'm not sure if it's true. I heard that somebody posted a Rick and Morty thing on a George Gomez post on Facebook, and I think he like deleted it or 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 unfriended the guy. I'm not sure which one it was. It's not confirmed, but you know that's that's what happens, right? You get these rumors like Stern so angry. I don't know. Well, you know, look Stern. Stern must be looking at this being like, yeah, we probably should have made Rick and Morty. Um, you know, but look, it's I think it's being made by the right people. So so we don't know what the game is. Now, here's the real confusing part, and I don't even get this. I still don't get this. I'm, I'm, I'm on the thread, and people are like sharing the number that they are in the fan club and trying to understand how it all works. And I don't think anyone is crystal clear on how this works, okay? Here's, here's my guess, and I've heard what Charlie said. I hear what people say on the forums. I just think it's a little confusing, and I never, you know me, I never like 
there to be confusion at a moment like this, at a moment in which you're asking people to spend money. I don't know uh, if confusion is, is, is like the desired outcome. Okay, so if you're a fan club member, you've signed up and you've spent $45 to get two weeks early access to the game. Okay, now what does that mean? Does that mean you get to buy the game before distributors get to sell the game to people on their list? See, I that's where I'm confused because I think games are still allocated to distributors. So let's say Spooky just hypothetically has five distributors. Are they each getting 100 games? And so then there, there are only... 250 available to order through Spooky directly. Now, here's the other, here's where it gets even more confusing for me. So, I don't think that means that you won't get access to a game. So, let's say you're a fan club member and you buy a game. It's ostensibly Spooky could just say, okay, great, you bought this game. The game that you bought has been allocated to, let's say, Joe Newhart at Pinball Star. So, your game will be bought through him. I mean, is that how it's going to work? I don't know how, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a little confusing. And then everyone who has early access has the decision on whether or not they want to upgrade their game to the Bloodsucker Edition, which is a $15,200 or $15,025, sorry, no, $1,525 non-refundable deposit, okay? Okay, so now from there... How do you know what number you are in the order? Like, how is this going to happen? Is it going to be first through the door? And then when when is that going to happen? Like, we don't know. So you basically, knowing that if you're within the first 50 to 100 games, like, you're going to be excited because you're going to get your game, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the first few months. But, man, you could be a year and a half later to get your game. And so I'm not quite sure how people know how to line up. I'm not quite sure people know how to get a, a low number. Uh, you know, I was talking to a friend today and I said, look, I mean, not for nothing, but if you're within the first 50 games, your game immediately is worth $1,000 to $2,000 more. Because if some dude's at number 748, I bet you he would like much rather, if he's got means and money and wants the game now, he would buy your early slot off of you. So all those people with early slots, I think, are sitting on easily more expensive games than the ones that come later on down the line. And all this, though, all this is predicated, and I'm glad I'm glad my boy Ken Cromwell over at Special One Lit said this. All this is predicated on if the game is any good. Is, is it not? Doesn't it have to be good? Doesn't it have to be a, a great flipping game? Or will the hype leave the building immediately? I mean, to say that people are ahead of themselves with this game is an understatement like no other. I don't think I've ever seen sort of like a hype for a game that we've known nothing about. I mean, even when we saw Ghostbusters was a rumored title, we already had the leaks around the artwork and around like the Playfield CAD designs for that game. This game, nothing, nothing. And here's the crazy part is Stranger Things is a more popular theme. I see some people debating this. It's not even close. We know Stranger Things is coming out as well, but that thread's not blowing up. It's amazing what confirmation of a theme being made will do to get people going crazy. I mean, people are going nuts for Spooky Pinball, Scott Denisi game, and the Stranger Things with Brian Eddy, not nearly, 
not nearly as much excitement. And that's a little bit of a head scratcher for me. If you just, if, if I'm just to be honest, I mean, Scott's brand new. I, 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 I hope people manage their expectations of what's to come out of Spooky Pinball. And they've made every game better and better. But part of me reads some of these people and it's like, I think some people are expecting like Jersey Jack level complexity to the game, like the actual gameplay itself. Are, can Spooky make that kind of leap? I don't think it's going to be nearly sort of as complex and mechanically, uh, you know, so much in the game that we've seen with other manufacturers. I don't think they're there yet. And, and, and I don't think that means it's not going to be a super fun game. I don't think it's, it doesn't mean it's not going to be Spooky's best game to date. But Brian Eddy, man, it's like this guy's like the king of like putting some of the best mechs ever and making some of the best pinball ever. And it's sort of like maybe this is a sign of the times that we are more excited about young designers making a name for themselves than we are about the old designers coming back. Because I think everyone probably feels a little bit like there is no way Stern Pinball is going to allow Brian Eddy to have the kind of resources and bomb that he had back in the Bally Williams days. No way. No way. But maybe they do. right? It's like, who knows? Who knows? Like, we'll have to wait till we see it all. All right. So there's confusion on how to buy it. I think we're all going to find out early next week. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to get locked out of this title, though. 750 over 18 months. You will be able to get one. People will want to get out of their spots, and you will see people transfer spots. It's a really long time to wait. We've never seen anyone ever in the history of pinball. Think about it. In the history of pinball, no one has ever gone in and bought a game in which they knew on the day they bought the game that the wait for them to get it would be a year or 18 months. Never happened before. Now, it's it's happened without people's knowledge when they bought stuff like the Big Lebowski or Pirates of the Caribbean. Heck, even Willy Wonka Collector's Edition people had to wait like eight months to get their game. But they didn't think it was going to be that long because every manufacturer out there knows that the window in which you take people's money and the window in which you actually ship people a game needs to be a small window because people lose interest. The hobby moves on to the next shiny toy. I mean, that's why Robert Mueller is telling people when you order a Deep Root game, you're going to have it in two weeks. He didn't say two months or six months or eight months. He said two weeks. I don't know how he's going to do that. But that's what he promised. So will this work? It's an, it, Look, this is an experiment. And Spooky Pinball, here's where I think they're smart. I mean, this is crazy when you think about it. How many people are signing up for this fan club? But let's just say 500 people signed up for the fan club. They just made like twenty, like $2,000 know, over, like over a period of a week and a half just by announcing a theme. That's incredible. Now I get they have to like give us like some goodie bag and they're sending us some swag and but man, oh man, oh man, like what a smart way to let people through the door. I mean, if I'm Stern Pinball and I'm watching this happen, I'm like, wait a minute. We can actually make money in in another way. We could actually charge people to be able to buy our LEs first. Why don't we do that? 
instead of the system we have right now. I mean, Stern, hey, Zach Sharp, you could do another, uh, you know, another thing like this, and you could easily measure against the revenue you're generating. So when you do Stranger Things LEs, why not make it that the Stern insiders have first access at buying them? You would sell 500 or 1,000 insider subscriptions immediately, and you could charge more for those insider subscriptions. Kaneda, what are you doing? Why are you giving Stern more ideas on how to make more money and screw us over? I know I need to stop. If it wasn't for me, they wouldn't be selling $15,000 Elviras. But, you know, you guys have the power not to buy this crap. Anyway, all right. All right. Well, speaking of Elvira, the title that just seems to be fading into the background. Now, look, it's not that I think Elvira is not a good game. I haven't even played the game. <laughs> so here we are. Here's the Canada Pinball Podcast fraud. He's a fraud. He's a fraud. He hasn't played the game and he can't say anything on it. I'm not here to tell you about the game itself in terms of like gameplay. I'm here. To, here's here's what I'm, I'm here to tell you, though. I don't need to have a game to know that this game is having like a lot of issues out of the box. And if you go on the thread and you read the thread, I mean, most of the Elvira thread has been troubleshooting posts by people. And that's troublesome. And I'll explain why. Because this is an expensive game from Stern Pinball. And the more you spend on something, I think the greater quality you expect in it. And I'm just not seeing that in this game. And there's a few things that, you know, people are talking about that hasn't really been covered. One of which is the clear coat on this game people are saying is thinner. Now, the whole play field clear coat issue, you know, it's conveniently just gone away. Like, people have stopped talking about it. No one really got a solution. You know, we're weird. We're a weird community. We're a weird hobby. This was a huge issue. This was affecting so many games. We never, ever got communication on what the solve was. All we did collectively as a unit, as podcasters, as streamers, as everybody, we just said, well, I think they'll figure it out. And we just like went about our day. And then we started buying $10,000, $15,000 machines. And people are saying the clear coat's thinner. All right. Well, is that the solve? That they only have two layers of clear, not three now? So is that a, is that, is that a fix or is that a Band-Aid on a problem? I don't know. But I'm just here to tell you that we'll see how these games hold up over time. I want to see what an Elvira playfield looks like after a thousand plays. Like, what, what's it going to look like? We'll see. We don't know yet. But other than that, there's just issues with the game. I mean, people are having stuff break. There, there's like missing washers. There's like decals that are poorly cut on the house. There's, there just seems to be a lot of little issues with the game. Nothing major. Nothing major. But more than your typical out-of-the-box issues, I would say. Um, so that I think for that reason, I think people are like, you know, I don't know. They're not running towards the game as much as maybe some people think Elvira would create that kind of demand. It's a niche title. It's Elvira. It's not a cornerstone. Uh, it's here. Here's what's crazy to me. Here's what's crazy to me is is you take Lyman Sheets, your best coder by far. I mean, not even close. Your best coder in the world. He's now working on Elvira, a game that's not going to sell that many, okay? And I heard that the amount of clips he's going to put in this game, 4,000 clips from the different movies and stuff, right? And then you have Batman SLE, which, or sorry, just Batman 66, which has a ton of clips, and there's only 1,500 in Batman. So almost three times the amount of clips will be put into Elvira. 
And my question is this, is the juice worth the squeeze here? And I'm not talking, you know, it's weird when you talk about a virus with that, right? Everyone's like, yes, absolutely, it's a virus. No, you know what I mean, though? Is all this effort for Elvira worth it? And why does Stern allow Lyman? I get he gets to pick what he wants, but why? Why aren't they making Lyman? And look, he's an employee of Stern Pinball. He's an employee. Why? It's not even like making him. Why don't they just convince him, like George, take him out for a nice meal? Why don't they align? Imagine this. Imagine this. Why isn't Lyman Sheets working on every Keith Elwin game? Why isn't Lyman Sheets working on the best designers games that Stern makes? Why is not Lyman Sheets working on the biggest properties that Stern has? I want him to code Ninja Turtles. I want him to code Stranger Things. I mean, who's even coding Stranger Things? You you talk about working with assets and clips and how good Lyman is with it, and he's doing this obscure title to the side. I think it's ludicrous. I don't understand it. You know, I don't understand how you had like Dwight Sullivan, which nothing personal, Dwight, but like people would say that he's not the best coder they have, and you give him Star Wars. And maybe it's just because Steve Ritchie and Dwight are buddies, but I'm sorry. It's Star Wars. That IP deserved more. It deserved more, and it didn't get it, all right? So, you know, I mean, and then it's like, how long is Lyman going to be sitting on this title that, that's not even going to be a, a big sales hit? But here's, here's the thing, too, and this is why it's hard to look at these games in a vacuum because ultimately Stern doesn't care. They, they really, and it, what I mean by that is this, they don't, not that they don't care, they don't mind the fact that Lyman's off doing that because in Stern's world, the only thing that really matters is that the line is moving and that they have games on the manufacturing line and that they have a development cycle where there's no delays and they just keep stuff moving because if you're stern you're like all right we got we got Elvira on the line Jurassic Park is a huge hit for us we've got we're still making monsters we're still making Star Trek we're still making Batman we're still making you know whatever all the games they're still making and then we're going to throw Stranger Things on and that's going to be a juggernaut and then Ninja Turtles and that's going to be a juggernaut and then Godzilla and then this and then we're going to Vault Tron or Lord of the Rings you know what I'm saying is George Gomez is looking at a development cycle of the next two to three years. And and that's that's what they're staring at. This isn't like any other manufacturer out there where they need every game to be a hit. They need every game to have high volume. They need every game, you know, to be a winner. Then Jersey Jack needs that. Spooky needs that. Chicago Gaming needs that. American Pinball needs that. Deep Root needs that. Stern Pinball doesn't need that. They only need like a quarter of their games to be juggernauts and that'll make up for any flops, right? I mean, Munsters wasn't a sales juggernaut, was it? But Jurassic Park is. So you know what I'm saying? It's like Stern looks at it like a, a portfolio of products in which if the overall portfolio performs well and even just look one title, one juggernaut can lift up the revenue for the entire year, why not? Why not hedge your bets? I mean, Stern is playing pinball as if it's poker. And they've got eight different hands they're playing at one time. And, you know, all they've got to do is, like, see which hands are playing better and then go all in on them. 
and and they're going to make money for years to come on these games. That's the other part too is like no other manufacturer can quite do what Stern does, which is you capture the hobbyists and the early adopters right away. Like if you love Stranger Things, they're going to get everyone their game in the first few months and then they'll sell Stranger Things for years to people who have game rooms, to new fans of the show, to people who walk into distributors across the world and, and want something fun, it, it'll be available. It'll be available. And that's, I mean, their, their model is incredible. Incredibly successful doing it that way. All right? All right. But Avira, I think it's just going to go down as another one of those, like, to me, like, Avira is in the same category as, like, Munsters. You know, same category as, like, Aerosmith. Same category as um you know guardians of the galaxy like it had a little bit of hype never really is going to take off and then a hotter title comes out close to it that just takes over people's uh you know attention all right let's get to the twippies now as we end this episode of canada's pinball podcast and I, I didn't tell you guys like who I voted for, I think, in all of the different write-in categories. And I want to do that right now uh, and go down the list real quickly. And um, let's see. First one is this. And this is like my hardest one. And I'll tell you why. Favorite pinball streamer. All right. So favorite pinball streamer write-in. So there are two people that I think are doing the best pinball streams right now. And, and that is Ken Cromwell and Jack Danger, without a doubt. And they do it differently. Like, they're two different types of streaming shows. And, you know, Jack has his whole streaming facility. Jack's got, like, this incredible personality. I, lo I love Jack Danger. I just love it. I think he's so good for pinball. I also love the Monday night streaming sessions that, that Ken does as well. The flipping out streams. Now, here's, here's where I'm torn is, like, while I love what Ken does on Monday night, and I tell him this, like, I just don't understand why their stream is like someone else's like name like it's the flipping out stream which is zach many's distribution company like why is it on that channel like I, I i just don't like this like i like this guy but it's not him it's not his thing it's someone else's thing that he's like populating the same way like this week in pinball podcast is like it's zach and dennis and when those two are together it's great but then like every other week dennis is not there and it's like, I like that dynamic, but then it's This Week in Pinball. Like, why is it a podcast named after a site, which is then named after, it's also part of the award show. Like, they're also the committee on who's deciding, like, how everything works, and yet they're eligible to win. Now, I want to say this. For, for you people out there that think there is any, like, insider shenanigans, there's not. Jeff runs this thing with so much integrity and so does all the committee members on it. There's not going to be any like foul play going on. So 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 do not like not vote for who you want to vote for because you think that's happening, okay? Just so please do me that favor. Um, but you know what I'm saying? It's confusing where it's just like dead flip is Jack Danger's thing. Canada's Pinball Podcast is me. There, there's no like splitting of the votes amongst like all these other people coming through that, you know, the channels. And they're not like weirdly named or I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's my biggest confusion with the pinball streamer. So I'm, I, I like both those guys and I just have to see who gets my vote. Um, favorite pinball podcast. Man, this is the hardest category it seems in, in all of these writing categories. No, but you know who we're voting for. The guy who doesn't own any pinball machines. 
Um, favorite pinball YouTube channel. Oh man, see, see. Also, like Zach is in all of these things right now. So straight down the middle uh, is a YouTube channel, and I think you know, I think that's where I like to vote for Zach. I, I think straight down the middle. I'm, I'm not sure if he does as many reviews as he used to. Uh, but I love like Greg and Zach on 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 their YouTube show. So that 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 is where I vote for Zach Manny because I know Zach's in like four or five categories. He even wants to be Rookie of the Year as well, even though he's been in this hobby forever. Um, all right, favorite pinball mod of 2019. Now this one, I, I know I was jokingly saying we should all vote for the Elvira piece of the couch and and make a, make a mockery of this category. But I I was joking. I think we all should vote for the mod that is long overdue to be recognized in pinball. It is the mod that is the most important mod in almost everybody's machines. I think in 2019 at the Twippies, we should finally long overdue celebrate Cliffy and the Cliffy mod. And there are new Cliffies for new machines. And I I implore all of you, I, I know that Cliffy will be a category. It has to be. That you please vote for Cliffy for best pinball mod of 2019 because I think it's long overdue and I would love them to get the recognition or him to get the recognition he deserves for all the years. I mean, it's crazy how many years we've been putting Cliffy's into our machines. All right. Favorite homebrew pinball machine. Uh, without a doubt, my favorite one of 2019 has been that Dragon's Lair game. I, I think it's by the guy who made Captain Nemo. Um, but have you seen that machine? Google it. It's so cool. All right. Rookie of the year, including but not limited to new designers, artists, and coders. All right. So here's my vote for rookie of the year. And I saw like, you know, some podcasters are trying to get into this category. Look, like it's, it's open to everyone who's ostensibly new in pinball. Um, but if I look at everything happening in pinball this year and who's a rookie, who's not, and who's doing their first thing in the industry that's made an impact that, you know, look, I I, I land at one guy. And again, because I just think his contributions actually made its way into the hobby. And I think it actually is, I think, the saving grace of, of, a, of a title that people like, even though I don't, I don't quite see it as much as others. Um, but I think rookie of the year should go to Tim Sexton at Stern Pinball. And 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 you know, I he coded Black Knight. And it's his first job coding a game and you know, all I hear from people who play that game, who like that game is they really enjoy the way the game is coded. And so I I really don't see another rookie this year that has made an impact in pinball as much as Tim has. And so as a, as, and also like as a rookie effort coding a game, you know, I, I think it succeeds. I really do. It, it, there, are, there, are, there, there are, let's just say this way. There are seasoned coders over at Stern that I think have messed games up royally. And I don't think Tim messed up Black Knight. I actually think the game has got some of the coolest like uh, animations in it. It's got awesome sound. It's got this and that, you know, but you know, my issues with Black Knight are not about the code. It's, it's just more about. I wish there was more of what's on that screen in the game itself. Like, you know, you're battling monsters and there's nothing to bash. All right. So that's Tim Sexton, Rookie of the Year. Um, favorite competitive pinball player must be registered in IFPA. So here's 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 the one place I think we should 
uh, we should we should do something that no one would expect. And you know, look, we could bet we could vote for you know the top players: Keith Elwin, Raymond Davidson, you know Johannes Ostermeyer. I don't even. I'm like looking at these guys' names: Bowen Karens. No, no. I think we should vote for the last person on the IFPA list this year. Because that person to me, at least they woke up one day and said, you know what, I want to give it a go. And I think we should support the underdog this year in Canada's Pinball Podcast. That's my vote. And I want all of you to vote for this person. It's too late, though. They were never written in. It sucks. But I would vote for Michelle Gabriel of the United States. Gabriel. He's... He or her, I mean, I'm not sure. She, I mean, Pacific Pinball League. They are ranked 39,840th. They are on page 399 of the IFPA ranking. So that is who I would have voted for. It's too late now. I think I, I think I put Keith Elwin. Uh, I want Keith to be up there as much as possible. I love the man. I love what he does for pinball. All right, let's see. Favorite pinball website. Uh, that is easy that is this week in pinball without a doubt i love it no drama nothing but the news favorite pinball publication writer or article oh man this one just uh i don't i don't i i didn't write in anything i have to say because pinball magazine with a jonathan justin i know i'm not voting for those guys and then I don't, I don't know what else there is there's something else i forget which one it is but there's some other magazine out there uh, writer or article? How many articles about pinball are written? You know what? Let's we should. It should be that guy from IGN who writes all the stern uh, stories whenever they have one. Anyway, so that one is confusing to me. Favorite pinball location? Um, you know, for me, it is Sunshine Laundromat. I got to throw a bone to my 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 boy over there, Peter in Brooklyn. That place is amazing. Favorite pinball convention? I feel like I did this already. Like now that I read this out loud, I'm like, I feel like I've done so many pinball podcasts that I'm, I'm like repeating myself. Anyway, favorite pinball convention uh, is TPF. Favorite pinball tournament competition, uh, I would say Pinberg. Favorite pinball league, uh, I, I I know I called that guy's league out. It's, it's, it escapes me right now. For this one, I'll say I think bells and chimes will probably win because I think so. Championing women's pinball is something that we should do more of and getting more people into pinball is important and then the favorite pinball topper of 2019 no it won't be the star wars topper i think it's going to go to the uh, uh, medieval madness topper that we just saw all right okay before i close the show i want to say that you know it is like the end of the year it is the moment in which we reflect on pinball a couple things. I'm going to do my Canada's Kudos show in which I give my kudos to different things happening in the hobby. Some of them will be similar to, you know, the Twippy categories, but there's going to be other ones like best marketing hype in 2019, best theme selection. I think that is a, I think that is a Twippy. Um, I, I don't know. I want to come up with some unique categories that aren't just mirrored images of the Twippies. Okay. So there's that. The other thing that I was sad to hear is that head to head pinball is not going to do the twerpies this year in which they celebrate the worst in pinball. And I know that it's somewhat controversial, and I think the twerpies need to live on. So if Marty's not going to do the twerpies on head-to-head pinball, Canada's Pinball Podcast will grab the mantle and we'll do the twerpies on this show. How's that sound? Should we do it? Should we, should we keep the twerpies going? 
I'll send Marty a note. He's not going to let me do it. He's not going to want me to hijack his his segment. But he, you can't own the worst in pinball. We'll just call it something else. But I think we should also have a little fun and poke fun at the things that didn't quite hit this year in 2019. Because I think Marty's going on a hiatus in January. He's, I don't know if he's coming back. I think he's just taking a month off. Um, you know, this burns people out. It burns people out. I mean, I'm already starting to see more and more shows like take longer breaks. I'm, I'm already starting to see fatigue set in. I'm already starting to see like saltiness set in. It's something about the Twippies, man. It makes people salty. It's weird. I mean, and I'm not just saying that because we we've we got two Twippies. I'm just, it's just strange. You gotta you gotta find a way to just do stuff because you enjoy doing it. There's there's no money or recognition coming to any of us. Either you enjoy it or you don't. I give so much credit to people that do this on a weekly basis with co-hosts, with kids and families and wives. I mean, I could not do that. There is nobody in my life in terms of like family other than Brenda and Bubba. I walk Bubba in the morning. I put a headset on. I do a podcast. I don't have to facilitate interviews with co-hosts or, or, or scheduling around our weekends. I don't have to do it every Monday. I mean, I think we have like three shows this week, maybe more. And look, the other reason why it's easy for me to do this, uh, and I, I, you're going to get more shows in the winter, and it's not because I'm trying to get Twippy votes. It's just simply this. The weather gets cooler, gets crappier. I'm home more, okay? I also work from home more this time of year. There's also holidays. There's more time off. And you see, like, all right, 41 minutes, 41 minutes, and we've got a show. We can upload it and you can enjoy it. And I know this too. And like, I love listening to podcasts out there, like all different types of podcasts. And I always am like, I always hate having to wait because I kind of like listening to this stuff like almost every day. And so I'm happy that we can give you guys a, a constant cadence of shows uh, that don't go on too long in one stream of thought, even if we do get repetitive, but everybody gets repetitive in pinball. So I just want to thank you guys for your support. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening. And, you know, even without owning a pinball machine, I think we can give a, a somewhat balanced observation on what's going on in this hobby, all right? That's what we're trying to do. Be entertaining and give a, a, a balanced counterpoint to what's going on in the pinball world. Thanks, everyone. We'll have a, have a good day, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>